0: Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, and I'm so excited today because I'm excited.
1: <laughs>
0: hey everyone, it's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, and today I'm with one of my favorite people on earth, Dr. Zach Bellasoff. Ooh, that was so Oprah. I loved that. Bellasoff <laughs> is in the house, and yeah, so we decided that we would just come on the podcast and just talk. Um, which is kind of, I guess, one of the reasons that we fell in love with each other is the ability to like literally talk about anything that's out there and argue it or prove it or find the research or whatever. So I always love it um, because I, we live in a, in a world today where, God forbid, you were to say, hey, this herb uh, really supports your immune system and can really help you fight off just about any disease. And, um, and people either are very open to it or don't want to hear it or whatever. And it's, I hate that. I hate that about it. Um, so I know we've got some questions. Well, hi, Dr. Zach, say hi to everyone. Oh, right. When he puts a cup to his mouth to take a big slurp of something. You got me
1: at the wrong time. I know I got to <laughs> remain energized. I know I'm going to be expending a lot of energy for this conversation. So I'm like, all right, I got to prepare. <laughs> Get your um, boxing gloves
0: on. No, I'm just Everything's kidding.
1: good. Everything's moving forward. Um, so uh, happy to be on as usual um, and and enlighten furthermore about this plant which um, used to be the devil's lettuce.
0: That's right. <laughs> We're I think that um, the subject today, uh, what Carter wanted us to talk about, is how people are starting to ask if they should use CBD on a daily basis as a preventative, as like a daily nutritional supplement kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I see two types of dogs, you know, every day. And that is we see dog, young dogs nowadays who are doing great, who don't have any issues at all, or you've got the two-year-old or the puppy who's already got problems you know, where just the other day I had someone whose dog had eye problems and then he came into the shop and the whole eye, like overnight, got glaucoma. Um, rushed it, see him a week later, the dog's eyes are gone. You know, they removed the eye. And I'm like, how old is he? Two. What? You know, so I see a lot of that happening um, nowadays. And I don't know why necessarily what's happening, but. I feel like in that dog's case, maybe a daily something would help them, but on the most part, it's, um, I think it's best for, you know, let's say I've got Nina, for instance, my next Doberman, I think I would start giving her a daily dose of CBD.
1: Yeah. um, I think that like uh, the the main problem we're seeing with animals nowadays is that, they're just so predisposed to being pro-inflammatory right away and whether it's genetics that we're literally, you know, we're, we're in breathing so heavily and people are still buying these puppies and these kittens that come from regions that we have no idea what it is. So we we have so many dogs that are predisposed already to being pro-inflammatory, just genetically, um, combine that with, you know, the heavily processed foods that we come to know. Um, that you know, not every dog doesn't respond poorly to, but we're seeing more and more now with a combination of these dogs that are predisposed in conjunction with this pro-inflammatory environment. So you have a nature and a nurture component that's predisposing them to being, you know, scared of the world, for lack of a better phrase. Their bodies are reacting to the world in, in ways that haven't they haven't really, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Like, you know, dogs had their own diseases back then, but what we're seeing now is a completely different collection of uh, of conditions that animals are coming down with earlier and earlier and so you know you still have your staples of uh, dental disease and chronic and uh, osteoarthritis etc but the realm of diseases that are purely based in inflammation uh, that don't have an inciting cause like an infection or a degenerative process um, those are in much higher uh, numbers and frequencies now and so that's why this conversation is so relevant, is because um, the main way that you know CBD, a full spectrum CBD-rich extract, and cannabis can work is that it's it's really helping both your endocannabinoid system and immune system to remain modulated um, in times like that.
0: Right, and what you mean by that is if your immune system is underperforming, it's going to stimulate your immune system, but also. Um, If your immune system is overstimulating, meaning it's doing too much and causing damage, it also is going to regulate it that way also. Um, We know that there's no harm in giving a young dog or a puppy. I mean, we've got tons of people now who are either going back to work or leaving their apartments and homes and leaving their either brand new dog or their old dogs back at home. So we've got a ton of people with new puppies who are giving them CBD every single day to keep them calm during separation anxiety. So we know that there's no harm in it. However, it's kind of crazy to think that a dog, a puppy can already have issues. Not only can it already have issues, but nine times out of 10, your conventional vet is gonna recommend a puppy kibble food, because I've had this said to me a million times where even the the pet owner says, believes in raw, fresh feeding, but their vet says, oh, your puppy, you want to make sure it's nutritionally balanced. So give them this kibble. And then after a full year of life of them getting everything that they need, then if you want to switch it and add raw or whatever, then go ahead. And that is like, okay, let's start you off with chemicals, highly processed food, which isn't going to serve the puppy at all. Right? Right.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, and that's, you know, I think that there, you know, th- there's a very slow uh, acceptance nowadays that maybe kibble diets aren't the end all be all. Um, I think what happens is that whenever you get to animals that are young, or um, animals that are pregnant or nursing, like you always see that on labels, that this is not intended for animals that are growing, that are pregnant, that are nursing, etc. Because they, they just don't know enough about it. And they, don't, they think that basically with those variables that the animals are not going to do well. Um, so, you know, the, it is a bit harder to, uh, meet the needs of a growing animal, but it isn't 100% doable. Um, but that's where, you know, these veterinarians nowadays that are becoming more, um, more educated on their own about how to formulate a diet or at least, um, supplement a diet that would be for a regular adult animal, how to supplement a little bit more protein and a little bit more calcium and a little bit more in, in safe ways so that that animal is able to um, grow and reach a, a mature size that is gonna be helpful. Um, and at the same time, like you said, like if you can do that properly, which again, not every vet can, so that's why there's, it's great that they have a lot of vets that are doing consults digitally now, virtually through telehealth. Um, if, you're, if a veterinarian isn't comfortable with doing that, then there are options now for pet parents that wanna take this seriously um, because it will most definitely be um, a, a, a better option in the long run. It's just about doing it right. And there are so many ways to do it wrong. So you have to make sure you're doing it right. Um, but if you do it right, then I think it's a no brainer that um, a whole food diet starting from day one is going to be profoundly better for, for anyone, whether you're a human or an animal.
0: And I think a lot of them are worried. First of all, I want to back up a little bit because you said if they go and learn it on their own, meaning we're just a reminder that your vet, If they have not gone out and um, gotten certified in diet and nutrition or have learned on their own by reading another vet or, you know, research or whatever it is, they don't know. So their biggest concern is that you're not going to give them something that's nutritionally balanced, which is ridiculous because as we know, we've got at least 12 brands of food out there that are raw, fresh, lightly cooked foods that are nutritionally balanced that you can absolutely give your puppy. Um, which are going to be a million times better than a commercial kibble food that's called a puppy formula. Um, A lot of times, you know, let's say you do have one of these dogs that has one of these issues has problems already and they're young. You know, the last thing you want to do is give them a highly processed diet. And then a lot of times those kibble diets always have chicken in them, which is a pro-inflammatory protein, not We're not even talking about how it's probably a factory farm chicken has everything else wrong with it, that it's probably got very little of the actual, you know, meat of the chicken and has everything else. So all of these things are going to, are going to contribute to your puppy's health. And to me, I ain't no doctor, but don't we want to set them up for success in the first year of life and really get it right then?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, everything you're saying is 100% true. Um, the problem is that for you and me, it's, it's easier said than, than done. I think for some people, it gets, gets overwhelming. But at the same time, that's not an excuse not to look into it more. At the same time, though, what's good? I mean, you know, as we know, uh, Billy Hogman now is with another company called Green Juju. That company actually right now, until they have foods themselves, focuses on healthful additives that you can supplant 50% or more of a kibble diet or your current diet, with something that is going to be extremely all natural. So, um, it, you know, it, it, it hypothetically is an, is a, is a hundred percent whole food diet yet where we should be going. I, I think that if you can find the right way to do it, you know, then yes, absolutely. But, um, there are so many options out there now that are, that can be trusted. Like you said, like 12 plus companies that do a whole diet, there's other ones that you can add things to it. Even if you, you know, you know, a lot of veterinarians are afraid of treats, for example, right. But if you take away a component of the kibble diet and you're giving a dog positive reinforcement throughout the day as treats and you're not making, you're making sure that they're not getting overfed, then, you know, again, it's going to take a little bit of work to figure out what's the right amount of calories for that dog, but to take away 50% of kibble diet and use the rest of their calories throughout the day as wholesome treats, like, uh, you know, a dehydrated hearts or a liver or whatever, you, whatever have you. Um, then again, that's another option that the dog is going to be enriched. You know, dogs don't want to sit down actually for two meals a day. Like, you know, they're sitting at the dinner table. Um, they love to be enriched and they like to be excited. And there's actually, um, a really, uh, seasoned behaviorist that, um, trains a lot of dogs. And I can't remember what, what conference I went to watch him, but, um, he basically, when he's training animals, especially animals that have behavioral issues, they don't get a meal during the day. They get treats continuously, perpetually throughout the day when they do good things. And that over the course of the day gets them to the point of where they are, um, um, you know, re- meeting meeting their needs. And there's an easy calculation online, which you can calculate that's free that you can calculate the calories that a dog's getting in a day and determine if it's right for their weight. So again, no excuse not to try that. Um, there are ways to do it. It's just why is why did why did high pressure processed foods come into existence? Because it's convenient and easy, and humans like the easy out, easy route. Right.
0: So we gotta yeah. take a short break and we'll be right back. All right. It's a dog's life. We'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk. All right. We're back. I'm here with Dr. Zach Pilosoff and we're talking, um, we're talking about preventatives and puppies and young dogs having issues at such a young age. Um, I mean, I can't imagine now having, you know, if, and when I ever get a puppy again, it'll be really exciting to be able to, I know so much more now, um, how easy it's going to be, I think, to, to raise it perfectly and, you know, make it the, the, the longest living dog. <laughs> um, of course, don't know the genetics. So I'll have to know the genetics, which is, is kind of funny because I find that like the dogs that are rescued off the street, you know, from the SPCA or human humane society or something like that usually have less, less issues than these dogs, designer dogs that are, you know, three to $8,000 and riddled with problems and it's because it's bad breeding and bad genetics and we're just we're just making cute little um cute little dogs that aren't healthy which makes our lives a lot more difficult so i think there's no harm in giving a dog a young dog or a puppy absolutely there is no harm in giving them a full spectrum hemp extract giving it to them on a daily basis is okay okay too but i don't think they need it unless they actually have some sort of issue um but that's why you keep it. That's why you have a CBD on hand. So if he does get hurt or, um, you think he needs it, he's having an allergic reaction to something or whatever that you have it on hand. Um, but I wanted to talk about what are you think, what is your advice on some of the best things you can do for your brand new puppy dog?
1: Right. Uh, so, um,
0: like for instance, we, I had someone come into the shop the other day, again, how old your dog, two years. The dog is, got Addison's disease. It's got, oh, I mean, the dog looks awful and it's only two years old. So I kind of feel like I wanna talk about how do we prevent this? Um, of course, it's a mini Labradoodle, a poodle this big. Um. So that's usually my first sign that I know it's gonna have issues. And then when I told her most likely what that Addison's disease was caused from, I, you know, I thought she was going to have a breakdown. So I feel like I kind of want to let people know, you know, protocol for puppy, when you vaccinate, when you spay and neuter, when do you, um, when would you introduce a flea and tick? Uh, regimen? When would you, you know, do, we already talked about uh, raw food, raw, fresh food is always a good idea. Real food is always a good idea. Um, What are other, some tips that maybe you can give us that these wonderful things we can do for our dogs now as puppies prevent these nasty diseases from happening later?
1: Right. Uh, So I know it's, it's, it's hard because it really is like I, i i see it every day and i want to be happy for pet parents when they buy that new dog but i it's hard to it really is because i know i i know just how much that animal is gonna have to go through and how much money how much more money those pet parents are gonna have to spend in order to even keep that dog alive let alone keep that dog happy right um i just know it because first off my parents had three dogs growing up we had Uh, Cocker, Cockapoo, uh, Bichon and uh, Maltese and all of them just right right away. Um, Ears, skin, eyes, anal gland problems, GI. It's it's it's, And it is. It's because you know, the puppies that we buy right now, if they're not like the hybrid vigor, like you said, the ones that come off the street, their genetics are mixed. So they're not concentrating these genes that we're trying to get that are, you know, look pretty. But you have no idea how many genes you have that are getting that are getting linked to them that we're dragging along that predispose them to that predispose them to all these other pro-inflammatory conditions and other you know other other conditions orthopedic neoplastic you know cancers it's, it's ridiculously crazy so and it's not actually ridiculously crazy because it's the same as if you were even breeding humans which we have certain ideas of that we have we have very easy patterns to watch that are in humans we're just doing it with dogs now. So, um, but regardless, um, you know, w- w- if you do have an animal that's showing early signs already, or um, is a breed that you know is gonna have certain conditions, um, I always break it down into three categories. The first is diet, the second is behavior, and the third is immune support. And so um, the diet, obviously, like we talked about uh, already with um, trying to do the best we can to incorporate fresh foods, or at least a component, heavy component on an added um supplement to a kibble diet if you can't do the whole thing, or like I said treat before, treats that are going to have caloric value that can take over a lot of that kibble component. As much of a a fresh diet, I think that every veterinarian that's more integrative and progressive right now is very confident that the more you can get fresh foods, the better, even if you can't do the whole thing. So no matter what, whether it's raw, whether it's lightly cooked, whether it's fresh, whether it's a mix of veggies and meats, um, you're going to want to do that as much as you can. Um, The second component of it being um the behavior aspect like you said these dogs have separation anxiety right now and, and cbd is a great thing in in in, in uh short term and on a basal level for animals that have conditions but you have to realize this is a kid this is an adolescent you know this is not something that is meant to just sit there and look pretty and wait for you to get home and then it awakens you don't plug it into the wall it's not like a Roomba okay you know um, even though the Roomba scares the heck out of me as you know and <laughs> when that thing just turns on when you're not there I'd rather that thing just wait till I told it to turn on. But regardless, these things have—they have a personality, and so you know, a full spectrum CBD is is very great for uh, helping to mitigate that in the short term, as, as compared to all you know the other antidepressants or other medications that doctors use for that condition. Like they use Trazodone, they use other SSRIs and things of that nature. Which, again, they're not—I think—in the short term, they have less effect. But the problem is, as you know, the veterinarians they run out of options so they just will use it forever and so that's not a solution we have to take these in camp these are not you know an object they are a living creature and so you know for the behavior aspect getting them incorporated with um, other animals and other humans making sure that you touch their feet and their tails and knowing that you're the boss all the time that you decide when play time is you decide when feeding time is you decide when training time is you decide when sleep time is etc that's important because tough love is not gonna cause them to resent you. If anything, it's gonna cause them to respect you and they'll know their place in the pack. So that's the second category I always tell people. And then the third category is immune support, which includes all the other things you mentioned. So not only supplementation, that's gonna help support your immune system plus or minus your endocannabinoid system, but the when and where to be vaccinating, what vaccines to use, uh, what other things to add to them in order to protect their bodies. So fleeting product is an immune support because you're trying to protect the immune system from reacting to fleas. So, you know, this is a preventative medication, but again, you have to take into account the location you are and how many other animals in the house. And if they're going to be outside a lot, because an animal that's inside all the time, um, a more natural approach would definitely be more effective, especially if you can apply, an, you know, an all natural repellent prior to going outside a lot. If you have a dog that's outside and in the woods all the time and it's coming inside and you have a baby and all that stuff, then there's a better chance that they could act as a vector and or be having symptoms to that. So, Long story short, every animal is situationally based. It, it's it's not a blanket statement for this animal here and this animal there. That's why when you have a new animal, if your animal is acting properly, they're going to do an extremely um, intricate Q and A in order to understand what is this animal's life going to be like. What you know, they should be starting on their own with the genetic side and a lot of stuff, but also what is the environment going to be for this animal? What's the nurture aspect? If you break it down into diet, behavior. And immune support, then it really helps to conceptualize what it's going to take to make sure this animal not only is staying alive, but that it lives a fulfilling life.
0: I love that. You kind of kept it, you know, into the into the three major points, and I love that. Um, So, if we've got a dog that is one year old and everything's going well, and he's healthy, and he's got a clean, uh, he she's got a clean bill of health, um, when do we, actually, I guess I should back up if it's less than a year old, when should vaccinations start if we've got a healthy puppy?
1: Uh, Right, so um, I know that there are two people in this world that know that answer better than anyone else in the world in the veterinary space, so I follow literally exactly what they say, and um, uh, one, the name is Dr. Schultz, and one is uh, Dr. Dodds, so them, the combination of those two doctors have, like since the mid-70s been trying their best to get the ABMA, the uh, AHA, all the other associations out there that have their own agendas to listen to what they're saying in terms of how long um, the effects of initial vaccinations last and or which ones are actually showing signs of being effective. Uh, I, I always ask the question, I'm like, first off, what vaccine in human medicine do you give every single year um, sometimes every six months and you still say that there's a 40% chance that you're going to get sick. Right. Exactly. So yeah. <laughs> by the way, I, I'm like, I don't, you know, listen, I'm not saying that vaccinations are bad at all, because I think that the amount of diseases that humans have eradicated because of vaccinations, both in human and animals is right, but they are not doing a good job in creating vaccinations for animals because there's no such thing as an effective vaccine. If you're having to give it every single year and it's not even working in a third or more of these animals. I work in the emergency room all the time and the animals I see come in with leptospirosis, more than half, sometimes more have been vaccinated for leptospirosis in the past. Lyme vaccine animals get Lyme disease all the time, even though they've been vaccinated. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of annoying because we know vaccination is important in terms of what we've done in modern medicine, but the timing and the frequency of it is horrifically been abused and is not working well.
0: Well, and it's my not to interrupt you, but it's my opinion that the reason that that is happening is because it's the pet industry and it's completely unregulated. So when a big pharma says, oh, look at all these dogs, they're suffering from this, let's make a vaccination or a drug for them instead of figuring out why it's happening and uh, hopefully making it stop. I mean, I was pushed that lepto uh, vaccination like you wouldn't believe cuz you see where I live I'm in the woods I'm you know my dogs go in and out of the lake but what I feel like people keep forgetting is that we have a system our pets have a system just like us called the immune system and we should be supporting that to keep our dogs healthy from anything that they might get anything that's out there that we don't even know that exists um and that these things are constantly changing so to keep on having to vaccinate our dogs over and over and over again is it's not serving them oh i think we have to take a break we're going to talk we'll talk more about that when we come right back it's a dog's life we'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk all right we're back with dr zach pilasoff and you mentioned that you um, you followed Dr. Dodd's protocol, who's been who came out with it since the 70s. Um, we know that some of our favorite holistic vets also follow it. Many people do. This is something that you guys can go to Dr. Dodd's website and actually uh, download the vaccination protocol so that you can either a take it to your vet and request that you want to follow that protocol. Again, we've always brought up, and I'm sure she does also about the titers test so that you can prove the antibodies that are in your dog so that you don't have to, but you should do your research on every vaccination that is being uh, told that your dog needs. Um, You got to remember that let's say we had a lepto and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, and maybe lepto is not the best, uh, uh example I'm trying to remember who told me a story in an example maybe it was for border teller or distemper but whatever it's kind of think of like that you ha- get a flu shot but the flu shot has to be for that strain of the virus correct and that's what's happening is that it's changing so when they give your dog a lepto um vaccination it's for uh, a strain I don't know what I'm saying. That is um, no longer that it's already changed. So that lepto is probably not going to do any good because now it's this.
1: Um, it's tough because there's so many different vaccine companies now on the market. I think that used to be a factor, um, a pretty, actually the main factor. So definitely relevant um, in a lot of ways. I think that one of them now, but to, just to answer your question. Yes, there's, there's, uh, let's see. there's like seven types, seven strains of, Leptospirosis, for example. I love uh, that you know that. I think I think it's seven. I think there might be more, but I know there's at least five that infect animals, and two that may be benign, etc. So there's this there's a bunch of them, but um but only two or three of them have known to actually affect dogs consistently, and they used to not be in the vaccine yeah So, but now I think someone's trying to make a new one, but. The other thing that is true is that, yes, I mean, the, the uh, what leptospirosis is, is it's not a virus. So it's worked a little bit different than, um, than uh, you know, viral-based vaccines. Um, in addition to that, yeah, I, I don't know the exact mechanism of how it, tr- it, it tricks the body after an animal's been vaccinated for it. But uh, it has to do with the change in the swap and the switching of surface proteins, um, where it hides in the body, et cetera. So, um, but no, but long story sure. I mean, all, all we can know about is even if an animal is having a positive immune response to a vaccine that leptospirosis, Lyme disease, the, the one I honestly hate the most is, um, Bortetella, how they tell you, you need to get it every six months and even more frequent if the dog's getting boarded. Um, because, um, the causes for, for canine infectious respiratory disease complex, which is what kennel cough is there's 9 10 11 can diseases agents that cause that disease it's not just bordetella and it's not just parainfluenza which is in the combo vaccine so um, you know you're you're protecting against one but the amount of dogs i see that get caught, kennel cough especially young dogs they've all had that vaccine and they it doesn't matter uh, right. so um you know essentially what we're seeing is that so so that's why you know the the, the the guy that I think that invented really I think Gene, Gene Dodds worked maybe with him I'm not positive but but Dr. Rob Schultz at uh, University of Wisconsin is the guy that's been basically doing it since the 70s I think that Dr. Gene Dodds as well but I'm not exactly positive I know I, know, I don't know
0: I can't remember either I'm more yeah. I'm more of a Dodds fan I I don't even know of him so it's yeah. just they're both no, great fine.
1: Yeah no so but both of them have been integral and like screaming basically at the at the vendor community to say listen there's a lot Dr. Rob,
0: yes, Dr. Rob is the one that went and testified.
1: No, Dr. Rob, I think is the one that owned Banfield and then sold to Mars and then was like, I want to do these titer tests because I don't want to do all these vaccines. And they were like, we're basically going to ruin your life if you do that. And that's what he did. He, he testified against him anyway, or something of that nature. Um, oh, he was also doing um, for smaller dogs, like FCC, uh, half a mil instead of a full mill of the vaccine. And he's like, this makes sense. Why would I give the same dose to this big dog, that little dog? And they basically, uh, yeah, they, they tried to ruin his life because he was trying to do the right thing. So now he has a really good organization, which I don't think I'm a part of yet, but it was, it's on my to-do list. But it's like Save the Animals or something like that. I'm, awesome. But they're doing a good thing. But regardless, um, the, the, the protocols that Schultz and Dodds have written out in which um, the first vaccination, there's three vaccines that are given for the core, which is what it's called, but it's DHPP. It's distemper, hepatitis, parainfluenza, um, and parvovirus. Um, those are all four that are thought. Okay, I'm going to
0: stop you because we're running out of time, and we already told them where to find the information so that they have it. Because I want to talk about spay and neuter because this is a huge problem. People are still spaying and neutering their dogs at four, five, six months of age. Please tell them why that's not a good idea.
1: Uh, pretty simple. Those organs were created for a reason. You know the reason why we started. Again, the the the, the so the three things that have changed in the last. 40, 50 years in animals and the severe uptick, especially in Western Ameri- Western world of uh, these metabolic conditions. Um, there's been earlier and earlier um, sterilization of animals, primarily for population control. And then they thought of those other things to try and scare owners into doing it earlier and earlier. Um, but regardless of population control, because humans didn't know how to keep their animals from uh, reproducing, uh, it's uh, high density, uh, high pressure processed uh, foods, which have increased the pro-inflammatory state because humans wanted it to be easy and convenient. And the third would be um, the highest, free, higher frequency of vaccination and continuation thinking that that's going to product them more which it likely. doesn't. The spain and neutering was something that was done because rightfully so the population of animals across the world was becoming severely um, out of control for the fact that we were disturbing the hierarchy that animals have when they are creating packs or they are you know, in territories. So, Um, This blanket statement about spaying neutering animals towards six months of age was started by shelter companies, uh, shelter organizations, which again makes sense in a shelter situation. But in the realm of what is important for the growth and development of an actual creature, the organs that are reproductive organs are necessary. And so the problem is that, again, that leads to the variable that if you're a pet parent, which um, is going to do the right thing for this animal, you have to realize that they are going to be able to reproduce. But the the hormones that are made, your your sex hormones, um, testosterone, estrogen, and a couple of other ones, and not only are they being produced and used for the growth of bones and muscles and brain, et cetera, but they also create feedback loops that talk to your brain in multiple areas, talk to your adrenal glands, talk to other um, endocrine organs. And when you remove that feedback loop from these organs that are supposed to be talking back and telling them that's too much or too little, these other organs go haywire and they don't know what to do. So... That's, a, that's likely a huge contributory component. Again, we can't prove it because we will never get funding, I don't think, to ever prove that. But there's only, there's only three things that have changed primarily in the realm of American um, pet ownership in those three. And one, two, or three of them have to be contributing to the huge, huge increase in metabolic disease and neoplastic disease and inflammatory diseases that are occurring.
0: And because these diseases are diseases that didn't exist before.
1: Yeah, they were I mean, super. Sixty super years super ago, they didn't
0: exist, and now they are uh, taking over. So basically, these are what we think, and a lot of experts think, are a lot of the issues and why our dogs are suffering so much. Right. Um. So.
1: Oh, so, you know, waiting till three, four, five years of age, and and of course, I th- I still think that new, that sterilization is is probably important. Not not for the fact of population control, if you're if you're a responsible pet parent, but after the age of six or seven, the rate of those organs becoming more likely to become neoplastic or cancerous versus helping metabolically and endocrinologically, the the ratio goes different. So pyometras and cancers of those sites and promoting cancers and other sites such as mammary cancers goes up uh, as those organs are still there. So three, four, five years of age, the animal has had the ability to fully mature um, and those feedback loops aren't trying to learn each other as much and much and much. So that's when it's definitely going to be more appropriate After the full development, but before then, you know the chances of those older um, animal diseases have have an opportunity to develop.
0: Thank you, Dr. Zach. We have to go now because we talked too much. But thank you so much. I really feel like that this is like the ultimate puppy episode, and these three things can really set your dog up for living a really healthy life and having an immune system that's functioning correctly.
1: Right, endocannabinoid and immune system health, literally the basis of everything.
0: That's right. Thank you, Dr. Zach. See you later.
1: Got it. Anytime.
0: Bye.